Welcome to another week of the Uproar Podcast, where we believe that the power of God is still moving and changing a generation. A lot of you probably know that a few years ago, my wife and I really started focusing on an area that there wasn't a lot of content. Now it feels like everybody um, is writing something about it, maybe a message, maybe a blog, maybe a curriculum, maybe a book. But let me just speak to this about five, seven years ago, when we put out something called Kingdom Identity, there was absolutely nothing out there like it. And there, I, and honestly saying, I, because I know the, the, the authority and the impact it's had on people's lives, I still think it's unique and stands alone. But Kingdom Identity was really written to answer the questions, who am I and what should I be doing with my life? As somebody who's raised up thousands, I could easily say hundreds of thousands of leaders across the globe, have a graduate in every nation, it seemed that these were the two heaviest questions that leaders had to answer. Who am I? And when you answer who am I, you also have to answer who am I not like? Who am I not going to pattern? Who am I not going to be? So who am I? And then who am I called to? What am I supposed to do with my life? What is the unique assignment to me? And I felt like people wanted to figure out question two, before question one. They wanted to figure out something to do, which is why we all go to college, we get a degree, and then after that degree, we get a job, and then we find ourselves in late life that we are not happy with where we've ended up because we've totally missed the assignment. We've totally missed what God wanted to do. And so that will only happen because we answered question two before we answered question one, and that is a significant question. And I don't care how old you are, There is answers to that question for you. I don't care how young in the Lord, how old in the Lord, how seasoned you are, whether you're a veteran or a rookie, whether you've led one person to Jesus or a million people to Jesus, everyone has to answer that question, who am I? And I think it's so important that we understand a few things. So allow me to just jump right into this teaching. You know, I would normally flower this up. I would I would go into the full communication aspect of telling you a great story and drawing you into something of a conversation, then coming up with a key one-liner or question that would be a transitional statement. And out of that transitional statement, I would get into the main piece of the message. And that main piece of the message would be on identity. I feel like I'm in such a gathering of eagles that I just want to jump right into the meat. Can we do that? We're going to skip We're going to skip the potatoes. We're going to skip the carrots. We're going to skip the French fries. We're going to skip the salad. And we're going straight for the meat, baby. All right. So I need y'all to track along with me again. Fire up the chat. Put some questions in there. Nothing is too personal. Nothing is off limits. Please respond back. All right. I want, I think when we talk about identity, what we're really talking about, especially a kingdom identity, what we're really talking about is an indestructible life. I have found that people can go through the hardest of times some of the most unique, if not some of the most demonic opposition and still be able to be themselves. This is what's so wonderful about Jesus is Jesus didn't have to be a different Jesus around Jews and then a different Jesus around tax collectors and then a different Jesus around prostitutes. He was the same King. He was the same Lord. He was the same leader everywhere. And this is where I find a generation acting more like a chameleon than in character is because they want to be this way with their school friends and they want to be this way with their church friends and they want to be this way with their friends who are about prayer and they want to be this way with the worship team when really you are learning to survive and not thrive and you have a destructible life because all it takes is for God to pluck you out of something or remove you out of a circle or take you away or not promote you in the time you wanted. And then all of a sudden everything starts to implode. You have a destructible life, but to build an indestructible life comes from the most unique training process that only heaven could actually initiate. There's only one way to build an instructable life. Now, uh, let me put it to you like this. I think a lot of times, especially in this world, in this culture, we see everybody blowing up, shining, out grinding, out hustling, flexing, you know what I'm saying? And they do all of that in the spotlight. God's process of developing you is not done on stages. It is not done on platforms. It is not done in the viewpoint and perspective of everybody else. Where it's done is one place, and that is the place of hiddenness. 
And people who know how to stay hidden are the most indestructible people on the planet. The Bible says that Jesus was hidden for 30 years. It alludes to the fact that nobody's eyes were unveiled that he was the Messiah. Nobody can, Have you ever wondered why we only have three years of Jesus's life recorded and yet we don't have the first 30? Why is it that we don't, we only have literally 10% of his life? That's it. All the other, we don't know about. We have four glimpses into his childhood, four glimpses into 30 years of his life. Why is it that God has shielded so much from us? I'll tell you why. Because if we knew what he was like when he was eight years old, that's exactly what mama would be telling you to be like. And if we knew what he was like when he was 14, that's how a 14-year-old, Jesus, the 18-year-old, Jesus, the college student, Jesus, the ready to be married, we would all, and we would make it about a routine and not a relationship. And this is why hiddenness is so important, is because your destiny is so unique. Your destiny is unlike anyone else's. Now, I'm not just trying to speak to you, I'm trying to speak to the purpose and the vision behind you, but who you are is so unique. So God is going to train you totally different. All of you right now in this Zoom room right here, all of you in this call are all on a different, unique training war path. You are not being trained like everyone else. Zoe, you're not going to be trained like Providence. Ariana, you're not going to be trained like Addie. Chase is not going to be trained like me. Ismael is not going to be trained like Lloyd or Cameron. You are all being trained totally different. So that's why you can never compare your life to somebody else's. Or let me put it to you like this. Your measuring stick is not Pastor Cody. Your measuring stick is not Pastor Chris or Pastor Mindy or Bishop Spencer or anyone else. It is not any of that. All right. Your measuring stick, one person, his name is Jesus. Because he is the one, the Bible declares, we are hidden in Christ Jesus. You're not hidden in this leadership team. You're not hidden in your church. You're not hidden in culture. That's why culture can't tell you your worth. And yet we will have a generation that's trying to find it with their social media following and their like count. They're trying to find it with how many views. They're trying to find it with how many friends or acquaintances. They're trying to find it with who they can be up to next to and influence. You'll never find it because you were meant to be discovered and chiseled and built and developed and thrown. And I'm telling you, torn down, built back up in the place of hiddenness. Give me a teenager that doesn't mind to stay hidden, and I'll show you somebody in their 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s that'll shake nations. For, for crying out loud, one of the greatest things that we ever heard here at Missions Me was we heard, for, this is being recorded, right? Okay. We had a global one, tier one influencer and their team. I'll let y'all, you can probably figure out who it is. We just worked very closely with them, and they said one of the greatest flexes that Missions Me ever has done is that you would bring 20,000 missionaries, you would take on and ink the deal at SoFi Stadium, you would then commit to fill the stadium, you would build the lineup, you would build the churches, you would build the volunteers, you would take care of all the financial means, and you wouldn't put your name on it. And you wouldn't even stand on the platform that you built. You built the platform for someone else. They said that is the biggest flex in Hollywood. And because you do things like that, we got all of these influencers and all of these actors and all of these icons now trusting us at levels that the industry, they can't even trust their own managers like that. They can't even trust their own people like that. They can't even trust the industry like that, but they can trust people who know how to stay hidden. Because at the end of the day, Hiddenness will keep you in places you never thought because there is the training of hiddenness that develops you. What do we learn in hiddenness? You learn character. You learn how to navigate your life because you know character matters. Character can equal, equal reputation. Character can uh, equal life decisions. Character can be when you're not in the room, yet your name comes up. Your character defends you. Your character validates you. Your character builds you. This is why we need young people with godly character. No, I know them. They, they don't have filth in their mouth. No, I know them. They, they, don't let, they don't talk about people like that. No, I know them. They ain't liking pictures like that or sending pictures like that. No, I know them because they were developed in hiddenness. You know what else is developed in hiddenness? Authority. You want authority? 
honor authority, and you'll have authority. The truth is, if you can't serve authority, you will never have authority. Let me, let me say, say it like this. If you can't serve it, you'll never receive it. I'm just helping you out. You can't serve authority. You can't handle authority. You know, the ultimate test for power and authority is responsibility. I always knew how people were ready for the next season because I gave them a ton of responsibility. And if they used it to power trip on everybody, guess what I did? I pulled the reins back. They weren't ready. But if they use that authority to make everyone else better, stronger, including themselves, but they put everyone else first, guess what happened? I gave them more responsibility because they knew how to honor and serve authority and they received it. Another thing that works uh, well in hiddenness is truth. You will find truth. Aren't you grateful for the revelation? You don't have to get in a storm. You don't have to get in a fight. You don't have to get in a battle. You don't have to get in a struggle. And then you get into one and it was the truth, the pregame, the preseason. That was the training that got you through the struggle and the storm and the, and the challenges you went to. That is all hiddenness. All of that is being built at a certain level. Another one is wisdom. You need wisdom that is whispered in the shadows of hiddenness not echoed on the platforms of stages. Sometimes the safest place is not holding the mic, it's holding the door and staying hidden. Another one you get is boldness. You Listen, this is what most people pray for boldness. It's like the spirit of stupid. I, I don't get why people pray for bold. God, make me bold. It's not like he's gonna go, poof, there you go, you're bold. You know what he does? He doesn't give you boldness, he develops boldness. God, give me boldness. And then he puts a person in a wheelchair in front of you and says, heal them. That's how he develops boldness. God, give me patience. God does not give patience. You know what he does? He gets you stuck in traffic and then you get to exercise patience. Come on, hello. That drive from Ithaca to Horseheads is real, fam. I've driven that drive. I'm telling you, all right? Um, fidelity or trustworthiness, uh, unerasable history with God, morality, vision, gifts some of the most creative people found out their skill set when they were hidden don't get distracted in hidden seasons now why is this so important because in the kingdom you have to think we are approaching life not shaped by news cycles social media uh, feeds and culture wars we are approaching life through a different lens i am i exist in this world but i'm anchored in another come on is this too much meat for you Come on, I, I, the Bible said, don't give it, don't give a, the Bible said that, you know, you should have, you, you are wanting milk when you should be eating meat. I'm trying to choke you on meat tonight because I'm trying, I, for too long, we have expected too little from a generation that's in danger of doing too little with more. Let me put you like this. We are in danger with doing less than more. All right, right now you got me on a rabbit trail. That now, see, now you don't mess me up. All right, in Acts chapter three, Peter says, silver and gold, I do not have. But what I do have, I give you. They didn't have the money. They didn't have the resources. They didn't have the finances. They had none of that. What they did have is what mattered. And that was the spirit of God, the anointing of heaven, the authority that came from the presence of God. Today, we could actually say, silver and gold, I do have. But what I lack, are you following me? This is why it's so important you understand the reason for being hidden. In the kingdom, we're living out of a kingdom perspective. I don't live off a news cycle, social media feeds, culture wars, opinion polls, propaganda. I don't do all of that. You know what I do? I live through the lens of God's word and the realities of his kingdom. In the kingdom, being hidden is being revealed. In the kingdom, being hidden is being noticed. It's being acknowledged you know let me just drop a little bit of old man wisdom on you i had a great older saint in the faith a general in faith said you know young people they want to be acknowledged but fathers and mothers they want to be remembered and i don't know about anybody else in this room but i'm not just trying to be acknowledged i want to be remembered i'm living for legacy not just for the moment here's another thing in the kingdom being hidden means you're being developed have you been frustrated lately that you're not seeing some things move forward like you wanted them to? I'm not shining. I'm not growing. I'm not getting stronger. I feel like I'm getting stronger, but I'm not getting sharper. All of that, right? In the kingdom, 
being hidden means you're being developed. In, in other words, how many know God does everything on purpose? Come on, give me a hand. Come on, help me out. God does everything on purpose, right? We are not people of faith. We are people of faith. There's a difference, right? So if God does everything on purpose, if you're praying and doing nothing and, and nothing is happening, come on, if you're praying and God's doing nothing, it means he's doing nothing on purpose. And if you're praying and he's doing something, he's doing something, guess what? On purpose. So whether he's doing something or he's doing nothing, he's doing all of it on purpose. Are you getting this? Why? Because hiddenness means you're being developed. And here, here's what I would say to, to those of us who are going into a place of hiddenness and, and say, what you are doing is you are making room for the new. You are not making room for the old, the stale, and the expired. You are making room for the new. So I want to point your attention. I've gotten to all of that because I want to get to right here, discovering identity right here. Okay. In Matthew chapter 16, Matthew chapter 16, there's this incredible exchange between Peter and the Lord Jesus. And to be honest with you, this is kind of where the journey of writing kingdom identity started was in this passage with my wife and I. And Matthew 16 shows us a lot of what God's intentions were with Peter. And I truly believe what God's intentions are for you and I. In um, Matthew 16, it says this. It says, when Jesus was coming into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? And they said, well, some say Jeremiah, some say Elijah, some say a prophet old. And then Jesus turned to him and said, who do you say that I am? Now watch this. He said, who do men say that I am? And who do you say that I am? Two big questions. What's the popular opinion about me? And who do you know me to be? What is everybody saying? And then what's been your personal journey and experience with me, right? Who do men say that I am? And who do you say that I am? See, your parents can tell you something, but it's not real until you live it, right? It's not real to you until you have firsthand revelation. Okay, they say... Uh, Conor McGregor's left cross is probably one of the fastest, hardest hips left crosses that you could possibly have. Now, I could read about it. I could watch YouTube about it. I could see him knock out other people with it. I could see all of that. But that's just secondhand revelation. That's just who to, well, that's what I'm hearing. That's what men are saying that Conor McGregor's left cross is this, all right? But when I get in the octagon and I put on the eight ounce gloves and I go toe to toe with Conor, and he pops me with that left hand, it went from who do men say that I am to who do you say that I am? Are you, see, are you seeing the difference, right? And so here you have Jesus saying, who do men say that I am? They say, some say Elijah, some say uh, uh, Jeremiah, some say a prophet old. And then he drops the mother of all questions. Who do you say that I am? Not who your pastor trained you to say I am. Not who your church saying, you know, God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. You know, the whole thing, right? Who do you, on your worst day, on your best day, on your highs and your lows, in your strength and your weakness, in the good and the bad, who do you, who do you say that I am? Who are you saying I am? And he says, who do you say that I am? This is personal experience now. Who do men say that I am? This went from secondhand revelation to who do you say I am? That's firsthand revelation. And then Peter speaks up and he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus turns with an intensity towards Peter and said, blessed are you, Peter. So blessed are you, Simon, Peter, Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I say to you, watch this. You are Peter. And upon this rock, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Whatever you bite on earth will be loosed in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And by no means will anything be impossible. Are you following me? Watch this for a second. Jesus says, who do you men, men say that I am? Peter has a revelation. You're the Messiah. You're the one we've been looking for. You're the Christ, the son of the living God, right? And then what happens? Then Jesus says, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. 
And I say to you, you are Peter. Once, watch this, once Peter discovered who Jesus was, then Jesus revealed who Peter was. I'm changing your name. I'm giving you your assignment. And I'm telling you the authority you're going to walk in. You are Peter upon this rock. I'm going to build my church. You're going to be an apostle. And the gates of hell will not prevail. In other words, you're going to live the impossible. Nothing can withstand you. Nothing can come against you. And not only that, you will have unique access. Whatever you bind on earth will be whatever. But you bind in heaven will be loosed on earth. Whatever you uh, uh, loose in heaven will be loosed on the earth. Are you seeing this? When you discover who Jesus is, you'll discover who you are. Makes no sense in this world to study. If you think in worldly terms, why am I going to study a man, another person, to discover who I am? That makes no sense. But in the kingdom, we are hidden in Christ Jesus. This is why it's absolutely crucial and important to understand not everything in God's kingdom is automatic. And this is a lie that we have fed a generation of leaders that once you say you're yes, then all of a sudden everything falls into place. That is the biggest load of crap I have ever heard in leadership talks. God's just going to make it all happen. No, there has to be an activation, a yielding, a surrender, a moving forward, a taking of risk, all that. Not everything in the kingdom is automatic. Let me put it to you like this. Salvation, that's free. Holy Spirit, he's free. Grace, that's free. Obedience, that will cost you. Are you following me? Surrender, that'll cost you. Hiddenness, that'll cost you, right? Why is this, why am I harping on this so much? Because why I, the, the greatest deficiency I see in young leaders right now is that they want to happen way too fast. And they want to come into it way, way too soon. And they want to cut corners and Amazon prime their way into their destiny. And they have not fully developed or matured into who they're supposed to be. And that scares me. Because we are living in a day where the church is no longer moved by power. It's moved by guilt, gifts and charisma, and skill set, not character, and integrity, and supernatural authority. Are you following me? This is what hiddenness will teach you. Not everything in the kingdom is automatic. This is so important. Oh my gosh, this is so important. If you go and look at the pinnacles of your Old Testament, New Testament, there are certain men and women that rise to the top. People who walk closely with the Lord, people who knew God as a friend, and you will always find a, a pattern of language. I'm going a little deeper on you guys, but I know you can handle this. Uh, you always find this pattern of language behind all of these people who are close to the Lord. In, in Psalms, David, who I would say out of everyone is the pinnacle, this is my personal opinion, is the pinnacle of revelation in in the old testament right even jesus god had said i'm going to establish my throne through the the seat of david i mean the throne of david will never be removed from israel i mean he makes a covenant i mean he is saying things over david's life and david had this language in the old testament that always had this i'm in i'm with i'm along and he always had this language talking about being hidden in Christ Jesus. He said this in Psalms 1830, as for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all, watch this, who trust in him, not trust him or on him, but in him. Are you seeing this? He says this in Psalms 25, to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. Oh my God, I trust. Watch this. I don't just trust you. I trust in you. All right. Then he says this in Psalms 2, verse 12, blessed are those who put their trust, guess what, in him. There was something about people who understood, that were close with him that knew my strength, my greatest strength, my greatest capacity, my greatest ability will never be enough for this life. And I need to have a bigger understanding that I need him. Do you remember Gideon blowing the trumpet? The Bible says, and the spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. This says this about Deborah, says it about Saul, says it about Elijah, says about the minor prophets, says about all these heavy hitters in the Old Testament. It also mentions it a couple of times in the New Testament. It says, my spirit came upon him. 
you know, we have that that wording backwards because the Hebrew wording is uh, the Hebrew language is inverted. So let me take, like I said, I was taking you real deep. Follow me for a second. When Gideon, when it says in Gideon, the spirit of God came upon Gideon, what it's really saying is not that Gideon put on a jacket and it was God. It's actually the other way around. It's that Gideon was a costume and God put Gideon on. Instead of Gideon putting God on, God put Gideon on. This is that reality where David is saying in you, I put my trust. I am putting you on. I'm putting on your authority, your anointing, your ability. I'm putting you on. This is why it says in uh, New Testament, uh, in 2 Corinthians, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That doesn't happen unless you're in Christ. He says this in Colossians. You are complete. Guess where? In him, who is the head of all principality and power. He says this in Colossians 3.3. For you died and your life is now hidden in or with Christ Jesus. I'm circling here. I'm going to close right here. You can be in a lot of things. You know, I, I had a lot of friends growing up and they were in gangs. A lot of people growing up and they were in this certain crowd, in this certain circle. They were in this group. They were in this mindset. They were in this movement. They were in this church. They were in this. You can be in a lot of things. But if I'm going to waste my life being in something, I'd rather it be in someone and be found missing and lost in the heart of Jesus. And I don't want this generation to be found in wealth without him or famous without him or blessed without him. I don't want, I want you to be found in one place and that's hidden in Christ Jesus. I, I feel like I've water hosed you. I feel like I've waterboarded you uh, with a lot of depth. And uh, I want to turn this over to some Q and A. So Cody, how do you want to lead it? Awesome. Yeah, I'll just uh, read through some of these and, and drop them real quick, kind of in order of where they make sense. Uh, Zoe asked, what does uh, hiddenness look uh, practically? So if you would like practically define it, what's it look like? Um, yeah, that's a great question. I get a lot of people who, um, who ask this. I, I can go on and teach it, but I, I'll just go ahead and say this in a short fashion. Practically, when you're talking about being hidden, is stay in the absolute will of God. And this, you may think that's not practical. It is absolutely practical. And yeah. Zoe, this is a great question. You know, there is the general will of God, and then there is the specific will of God. And the general will of God is what we know through scripture. Don't lie, don't steal, have integrity, let your yes be yes or no be no. That, that's his general will. We don't have to pray about those things because he's made it known. But his specific will is very interesting. Like his specific will for me three years ago was to move from Texas to California. You know, this was in the middle of everybody moving from California to Texas. We were swimming upstream, made no sense. All right. Uh, but I knew his specific will because I knew his voice. And hiddenness, practically speaking, looks like being in the word every day, staying in the place of prayer, making sure you have a fasted life worshiping outside of your church, serving whenever you have the capacity to, um, being generous, tithing, sowing in. All, you may think, how is this hiding me? You are activating the things in your life that are going to develop you. When you step into the spotlight, you have a whole uh, um, history with God that you can point to. I did this when it was insignificant. Therefore, he can trust me with the spotlight. He can trust me. When no one was watching, I was doing this. Now that everyone's watching, nothing's going to change. I'm not changing a thing. So very practically speaking, your hiddenness looks like habits. That's why we wrote habits too. Your hiddenness looks like your spiritual disciplines, your godly habits. Second Timothy says, uh, um, uh, it says physical training is good, but spiritual uh, training is much better. Promising benefits in this life and the one to come. That is how you stay hidden. So great question. Really good question. What's the next one? That's huge. I, I think uh, just you'll crush this one. How do you discover who you are in Christ or what, what are some of the characteristics of knowing who you are? I think the more what Peter discovered was you're the Christ, you're the son of the living God. Well, how did Peter get to that conclusion? Because he watched God 
maneuver, revelation, transformation, encounter into his life. You got to remember up to this point, this is Matthew 19. Peter's already seen him multiply food. He's already seen him uh, uh, heal the sick. He's already seen him cast out devils. He's already seen him confuse the religious elite and snobby of the day. He's Jesus is doing things no one has done. And it wasn't until this moment, all of it clicked. Oh my gosh, this is the Messiah. So discovering the, the question, Cody, again, was discovering who you are. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and what are the characteristics of knowing? The characteristics is the journey. It's the, let me put it to you like this. When I squeeze an orange, I get orange juice. When I squeeze a grape, I get grape juice. When life, culture, problems, 2020, Corona, when it squeezes you, what is what do we get? And if what comes out, when that squeeze comes on, that tension and that friction starts to happen, if what comes out is not Jesus, guess where you need to focus on? I know a lot of people who go and study, oh, I want the prosperity of the Lord, but they can't stop looking at porn. <laughs> stop looking at porn, focus on that, and then the blessing of God comes. It's like we want to focus on the easy stuff, the lightweight stuff, and we don't want to deal with the heavyweight stuff. And Jesus is highlighting certain things. Someone who would ask that question is on a great journey, by the way. I'm not sure who it was, but someone who asked that question is on a great journey. And that's simply because you are letting Jesus into places you probably haven't let him in for a long time, or you're realizing God's not going to ask for permission. He's going to come. And that's how I feel. I feel like that for America. God's not asking for permission. He's going to break all the rules and he's going to cause a holy invasion. So, Amen. you know, practically speaking, you are starting to look more like Jesus in areas. That's how you know you're journeying towards identity well. Amen. That's good. This one will be good. And guys, keep asking questions. We got a little bit more time. This is good. These, these guys piggybacked on each other. They really were asking, um, how do you discern what to do right now if there's multiple things in front of you? Like, how do you pick what one and know that God's on that one in that moment? Um, well, there's a lot of ways to answer this, but just in my spirit, when I hear that question, I think about timing. I think timing is everything when it comes to what should I do right now? You know, I, I, I could go and preach everywhere around the world, but is that where God wants me? What's the timing of it? And so, um, you know, timing is everything. We say here at Missions Me, if you get there before God does, it doesn't make you early. It makes you wrong. And the timing of God is so important. So there, there's a, it's funny because there's a layer of decision-making that, we go through when we're young leaders and that's this type of prayer. Let me, let me put you like this. God shut the doors that you want shut and leave the one door as the door I should walk through. And then, you know, God does that. It's a little bit of a, a fleece throwing out, if you will, you know, little Bible language there, but it's a little bit of a God. You'll confirm where you want me to go by shutting down all these opportunities and he does that for certain seasons in your life, especially when you're a young leader. But you're supposed to grow mature and become familiar with his leading and his voice. Because there will be a day where you have multiple opportunities and doors are not shutting. And now you've got to know what to do when, the when you're discovered, when you're no longer hidden necessarily by man's eyes. And people know your name and they know what you're capable of and they want to invite you to it. and They want to bring you into it or in business or in marriage or in ministry, whatever it is. You had better know his voice. And this is why it's so important. You're like, if I have multiple opportunities, what do I do? Listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Don't be, this is where, again, identity speaks because too many leaders derail their identity destiny track because they have the disease of destination. They, they want to get somewhere. And that is such a plague. That's a pandemic in its own self. I need to get there in order to be validated. I need to get there and then I'm shining. I need to get there and then I'm important enough. I'm then enough. That's not true. What's true is that you have learned the voice of God. It made no sense. I'm just going to take a micro level to this. It made no sense for us to leave South America and focus on Los Angeles. It made no sense. We have invitations from prime ministers and presidents of other nations around the world saying, we'll, we'll give you money, we'll give you manpower, we'll give you everything. What do you need? 
Resources unlimited. Just come and do a one nation, one day in our country. We have all of that on the table. And then God speaks and says, none of that focus on Los Angeles. Well, it makes no sense because our heart was for the nations. You know, our heart was to pipeline missionaries and movements to the nations, bring this, the, you know, America to the nations, the developed nations to other nations. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. It's a great vision. But then God's like, nope. And this is what he says. He says, I'm going to make an aggressive move on America. This was in the end of 2018. And he said, I want to start in Los Angeles. And we're thinking, God, why Los Angeles? This city is wicked. Why LA? These people don't even want you. They don't love you. They hate your church. They hate your people. God, why LA? Why can't we start in like Dallas or Atlanta or some of the Bible, like the South, where people go to church on Sunday on purpose? Whether they love you or not, they're at church. You know, like it would make more sense. And God said, no, I want to start in LA because if it works in Los Angeles, it'll work everywhere. And what I'm going to do is going to be such a fresh move. Now, full disclosure, we had runways already built to go in Asia. We had runways already built to go in the Middle East. We could have been there, boots on the ground. God, in his foreknowledge, knowing the end from the beginning, knew that a 2020 was coming and knew that this vision was going to be kept alive by bringing it into America. Had we just stayed in our lane of nations, 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 I don't even know what we'd be doing. The, the ministry would be derailed and we would, couldn't pay any bills. We couldn't do anything because all of our focus was on other nations. It was never on America. But yet God in his wisdom was leading us, which didn't make any sense at the time, makes perfect sense now. And here we have this incredible movement of One Day LA that's storming into other, other cities across the nation, as well as we are still building runways in One Nation, One Day. Come on, nations aren't going anywhere. But that specific will that comes from the familiarization with his voice, absolutely key. I hope this helped. That's why identity, Kingdom Identity was written, so that you would draw closer to him. Not to me or this teaching, to him. So I hope that helps. That's so good. And, and this is why I think it's so important to talk about identity because it's not just high school. Because what do you do? It's easy to start a school group. You know, it's like, well, what do I do for Jesus in high school? Well, I'll start a school group. Duh. That's like, that's easy. But what do you do when you're graduated college? What do you do when you're in the workplace? What do you do there? And it's knowing Christ and knowing the voice of Christ. So you can flip an entire building upside down for Jesus. Pastor Cody, can I can I add to that as well? Because we're in a good conversation line here. And I just want to add value to this thought. You know, my wife and I were missionaries in Sri Lanka. And we got married in 2004, in June of 2004. Leading up to that, our goal was to get married. And then we were going to move immediately uh, to Sri Lanka. So get married in June, leave in July and be in Sri Lanka. Well, anybody remember a tsunami event, unlike the world has ever seen, happened December of 2004. Anybody remember that? Of course you do. We've, we've got movies about it. We got History Channel about it. We got everything, right? No doubts in my mind. Had we not taken the year, people came to us before we, before we made the final decision. They said, listen, you need to focus on your marriage and you need to prepare your marriage and your ministry to run at the same time. So you don't need to be in Sri Lanka as soon as you think. Sri Lanka's not going anywhere. Focus on each other. Eric and I yielded to that great bit of wisdom. We said, okay, we're not going to Sri Lanka. We're going to wait two years. Oh, well, a year and a half. And sure enough, had we gone, I guarantee you, we would have been on the beach because it happened Christmas morning in 2004. We would have been on the beach and we could have easily lost our life. We would have been I, those areas that were completely annihilated by those that massive tsunami were on the beaches in Sri Lanka. We would have been killed, dead. We would have been incredibly injured. One of us could have died. It would have been traumatic, all of that kind of stuff. Because we heard wisdom and we recognized the voice of God in that wisdom, we knew that the right time was to go in. And the timing again was so important. This is why I answer it that way. I love that, man, because I mean, I talk to a lot of young people as well, and they're so obsessed with what's next, what's next, next, what's next, instead of hearing the voice of God and just being content where they are until they get what's next. Mm. 
instead, like, honestly, and this, I think you hit it right on the head. It is the pandemic of destination. If we can be content knowing that if God didn't tell us what to do next, he wants us to crush what's right now, then we could actually be a thousand times more effective than being obsessed with what's next. Be obsessed with crushing what he has for you right now. You know, that's so much wisdom right there, Pastor Cody. And guys, I'm telling you, you have a great leader. You have a phenomenal leader in Pastor Cody, Pastor Mindy, the whole team. I'm telling you, because God doesn't do next things. This world does next things. Yeah. What's the next vaccine? What's the next restriction? Who's the next president? What's the next injustice? What's the next hate crime? What's the next problem? What's the next social issue? What's the next thing? Isaiah 43, 19 says, behold, I do a new thing. Not a next thing. Behold, I do a new thing. Do you not see it? I will make roadways in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. In other words, he is doing something fresh and new, and you are that fresh expression of what's new. Yeah, and it's it's so true practically. So I've been the youth pastor at our church 11 years. Hmm. I know that if I start trying to dream, well, God, what's next? My heart's going to leave my assignment. And, And think about it. If you can't be successful with the little he has now, why do you think you'd have the next? Exactly. Why do you think you'd have the new? And I would encourage you guys get, just get so close to the voice of God that you can Mm. discern what to Mm. do right now. Don't be obsessed with the next moment, the new thing, be obsessed with whatever he told you to do right now. And that will carry you in life. I'm serious. That will carry you in life because you'll find you'll, you'll excel beyond other people because you're obsessed with what you're doing right now, that when he speaks what to do in the, in the next moment, the next season, the transition is going to be really easy, mm-hmm. really so simple. Good. So good. Chase just asked, how do I get close to the voice of God? Uh, go ahead and crush that one. I'm telling you right now, Chase, what a great question. God wants you to answer this question for yourself, which is why you're asking it. The greatest form of hearing God's voice is this right here. This is the greatest form. I get clear instruction out of this. And then I start reading it and I start becoming familiar. I don't know if you guys ever watched. um, I I, kind of liken it to Marvel movies or comic books or people who've read certain like uh, a storyline that's got multiple volumes to it. Eventually you become so familiar with the characters of that story, if you will, that you're going to know what the situation happened. Oh my God, they're not going to like that. Or, Oh, they're going to get excited. Oh, they don't know that this is happening. And you can almost predict what they are going to do based on how you've read and studied that individual on reading or movies. Like if you remember the first Avengers, right? I'm a Marvel fan. DC sucks. Marvel's the best, right? So I, 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 you know, you go and read the first Marvel or go and watch the first Marvel movie. You can tell there's some tension between Captain America and Tony Stark. And then that comes out even more in Avengers 2. And then it starts to come out more throughout it until finally you get to a point where you are in civil war and you knew that was going to happen the whole time because you saw how Tony would respond to that. You saw how Captain America would respond to that. And you just knew that Iron Man and, and Captain would never come in agreement with this type of decision. And you knew that a storm was brewing. The only reason you knew that is because you had followed their life so closely that you became familiar with their behaviors and their actions. It's the same thing with this. You are following his life so close. You are following his mannerisms, his moods, his his everything so close that this right here teaches you how to recognize his voice. And that is the greatest. So start with this and then move into prayer. And I promise you, you'll not just hear him. You'll sense him. You'll feel him. You'll know when he's sad. You know when he's, you, you know, when he's, in a certain vein or mood or direction, you'll know all of that because you'll know him as a real person. Yeah. I, lo- I love that. Ariana said, does uh, make reading the word, make it easier to string years, the voice of God, thousand percent. hundred percent. Absolutely. Thousand percent. And then it's funny because when you know the voice of God, when you know the word of God, you're closer to the voice of God. And it's that knowingness. It's hard to explain, right? That's literally pastor says, you'll just know when you're knower that that's the Lord and what he has for you. And it's hard to shake where you know in your heart that that's absolutely what God is saying. 
Facts. No one can rob you of that. That you just know and you're knower. And I don't know a better way to explain it where you just know that you know that you know and no one can rob that from you. Mm. You know, period. So um, good. Chase, you're saying it's hard to get in the word and understand. I'm going to speak um, to that. I'm going to speak to that, Chase, because I, I hear your heart. And I think your heart is, I really want to get in the word, but I have no time. Yep. The truth is you prioritize what's important to you, Chase. Yep. And I could eat, I guarantee you if I took my schedule and measured it to every one of yours together, it would be so busy. I promise you it would. But you know what I prioritize? I prioritize him. I prioritize Pastor Erica, my wife, and I prioritize my kids. And so anyone that has that question, anyone that has that, man, I just can't find the time, prioritize it. People prioritize their video games. They prioritize their social life. They prioritize all the sports they're involved in. They prioritize their school. They prioritize everything else. But the one, when it gets down to spiritual weightlifting and you got to put on the spiritual muscle and gains it takes to be able to carry what God wants to put on your life, I'm telling you, prioritize it. You prioritize that boy you like. You prioritize that girl you're interested in. You prioritize your social. You prioritize all that. But for whatever reason, we can't prioritize this. No, set the appointment, keep the appointment, and be consistent with that appointment. Yeah. And if you're having a hard time understanding, like practically too, go on YouTube and type in The Bible Project. And then type in whatever book of the Bible that you're you're reading from. And they'll give a whole synopsis of what's so happening. Good. I found that to be so. I use it. I'm like, so okay, good. give me fresh perspective. It's and so about helpful. someone who's read the Bible all the way through. You're talking about somebody who loves yes. scripture, reads it through. I'm a one year uh, Bible guy myself. That's I don't love yeah. the word, but I still need God. Give me fresh eyes. And so I want somebody else to help out with that. Yeah. So there's no shame here. I, I want to say this to you, Chase, and anyone else that's feeling this. There's no guilt in this. There, there's no like, okay, he's telling me I'm just not prioritizing right. No, no, there's a wooing, there's an invitation. Something in your heart mm-hmm. caused you to ask that. You've got to prioritize that now. So great question. Great insight. And I would say too, there's no shame in reading slow Mm -hmm. to understand and and digest what you're getting into that day. Like for me, guys, I just, it took me like six weeks to finish Deuteronomy. And I was just reading slow, taking notes on the thing, tearing apart verses. I'll send a picture of my notebook into our chat, but like, I'd encourage you, there's no shame in reading slow. There's no shame in getting understanding from other perspectives. I get no, there's no shame in, in getting to know your Bible. The goal is not to speed read and say you did it. The goal is to know God. And sometimes it is speed reading. Sometimes it's going slow, but find your pace, find what works for you and run with it and run hard. All right. Last question. Providence said, would praying and worshiping in school as a group be classified as remaining hidden in Christ? I think. It doesn't matter where you're at. Uh, I have prayed and worshiped in Buddhist temples. <laughs> not, not to Buddha. I just want to be very clear. <laughs> um, but uh, you guys want to hear a cool story? We got time? Yeah. All right. I was in Sri Lanka and we had just moved there. And I'm, you, can, you guys know me. I'm more aggressive in nature. Like, I don't want to just show up and, and work in the shadows. I want to pick a fight in the devil. I want to walk up and bust him in his mouth. All right. So I want to pick a fight with the enemy. So I'm, I'm like, okay, where can I take the most ground? Where can I set up? Where can I fire the first spiritual shot that he's going to know I ain't playing games. I'm coming for your throat and I'm going to be stepping all over you the whole time I'm here. I wanted to make a scene. I wanted to make a spiritual scene. So I did some research and found out that the first place that Buddhism was ever introduced into the nation of Sri Lanka was in a place called Mahintale. And Mahintale is where the Buddhist monks came in as missionaries and found the people of the island worshiping like water and fire and trees and dirt and all this kind of stuff, just the elements. And they started introducing, marrying the Buddhism with what their belief was. And that's how really, I'm making a long history lesson, very, very short, but that's really how it became a Buddhist nation. So they have one of the nice, it's beautiful, one of the nicest uh, Buddhist temples. And this is where they send all the young uh, 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 monks, if you will. These are all Buddhist monks who go there and they become disciples. They become trained even as young as five and six years old, all the way up. And so this is like seminary Bible college, if you will, for monks. It's all there. This is the hub. 
And I said, okay, let's drive there. And so when I drove there, I told the Lord, I said, let my feet walk all over this place. Let there not be one inch where your presence is not felt as it's carried through me and this prayer team. And I, I remember I took, we knew that walking onto this Buddhist uh, um, uh, seminary, we had to walk barefoot. It was just their custom. And so I went and put scriptures on the bottom of my feet and wrote it in Sharpie and pen so that the word of God was going to be touching all this. It's just a prophetic act. Um, you can say it's spiritually weird, but I'm telling you there was authority in it. So we wrote scriptures on the bottom, knowing that they would do that. Oh, please take your shoes off. And then I didn't just write the scriptures, man, I'm old school Pentecostal. So I took some anointing oil and rubbed it all over my feet. I had the shiniest feet. You could have fried chicken on my feet. I had so much oil uh, on my feet. And I remember I get up there, we're standing in line to walk in, and this monk who's dressed different, his colors are different, his garb, garments are different, stops and goes, where are you from? I said, oh, I'm from America. These are my friends, and we just moved to the country because we really love your people, and we want to call this home. This is home to us now. He said, really? He said, you know what? There's something different about you. Hey, would you like in an unlimited access to everything here at the Buddhist temple and college and seminary? And I thought, Yes, I would. So I remember he walks us through where they're sleeping. There wasn't a dormitory I didn't walk in. There wasn't a classroom I didn't walk in. I even saw where they uh, cooked, where they ate, everything. He walked us behind the scenes, behind the curtain, everything else. And all of that, watch me, all of that was because I wanted to go anywhere and worship and pray. Now, I'm not sitting there walking in with a guitar singing Maverick City or Upper Room or anything else, but God knows worship off the altar of our heart. So whether it's silent or it's loud, whether it's public or it's private, whether it's at church or it's at school, I would say cause a spiritual scene, put the devil on notice and worship and pray anywhere and everywhere and do it as often as you can. I love it. Yo, we're gonna end with that question. And that concludes another week of the Uproar Podcast. We want to invite you to share this podcast on all social media platforms and help us spread the good news of the gospel. Also, you can subscribe to this podcast for updates on all of our latest content.